Book of a Thousand Nights in a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Melissa. The Book of a Thousand Nights in a Night, Section 21. Know, O King of the Age, that most marvellous was that which befell me but yesterday, before I foregathered with the hunchback. It so chanced that in the early day I was at the marriage feast of one of my companions, who had gotten together in his house some twenty of the handicraftsmen of the city, amongst them tailors and silk spinners and carpenters, and others of the same kidney. As soon as the sun had risen, they set food before us that we might eat, when, behold, the master of the house entered, and with him a foreign youth and well-favoured of the people of Baghdad, wearing clothes as handsome as handsome could be, and he was of right comely presence, save that he was lame of one leg. He came and saluted us, and we stood up to receive him. But when he was about to sit down, he espied amongst us a certain man which was a barber, whereupon he refused to be seated and would have gone away. But we stopped him, and our host also stayed him, making oath that he should not leave us, and asked him, what is the reason of thy coming in and going out again at once? Whereunto he answered, By Allah, O my Lord, do not hinder me, for the cause of my turning back is yon barber of bad omen, yon black a face, yon ne'er do well. When the housemaster heard these words, he marveled with extreme marvel and said, How cometh this young man who haileth from Baghdad to be so troubled and perplexed about this barber? Then we looked at the stranger and said, Explain the cause of thine anger against the barber. O oh, fair companion, quoth the youth, there befell me a strange adventure with this barber in Baghdad, which is my native city. He was the cause of the breaking of my leg and of my lameness, and I have sworn never to sit in the same place with him, nor even tarry in any town where he happens to abide, and I have bidden adieu to Baghdad, and have travelled far from it, and came to stay in this your city, yet I have hardly passed one night before I meet him again. But not another day shall go by ere I fare forth from here." said we to him. Allah upon thee, tell us the tale. And the youth replied, the barber changing color from brown to yellow as he spoke. Know, O fair company, that my father was one of the chief merchants of Baghdad, and Almighty Allah had blessed him with no son but myself. When I grew up and reached man's estate, my father was received into the mercy of Allah, whose name be exalted, and left me money and eunuchs, servants and slaves, and I used to dress well and diet well. Now Allah has made me a hater of womankind, and one day, as I was walking along a street in Baghdad, a party of females met me face to face in the footway, so I fled from them, and entering an alley which was no thoroughfare, sat down upon a stone bench at its other end. I had not sat there long before the latticed window of one of the houses opposite was thrown open, and there appeared at it a young woman, as she were the full moon at its fullest. Never in my life saw I her like— and she began to water some flowers on the window-sill. She turned right and left, and seeing me watching her, shut the window and went away. Thereupon fire was suddenly enkindled in my heart, my mind was possessed with her, and my woman-hate turned to woman-love. I continued sitting there, lost to the world, till sunset, when, lo, the Kazi of the city came riding by with his slaves before him and his eunuchs behind him, and dismounting into the house in which the damsel had appeared. By this I knew that he was her father, so I went home sorrowful and cast myself upon my carpet-bed in grief. Then my handmaids flocked in and sat about me, unknowing what ailed me, but I addressed no speech to them, and they wept and wailed over me. Presently in came an old woman who looked at me and saw with a glance what was the matter with me. 
So she by my head spoke me fair, saying, Oh, my son, tell me all about it, and I will be the means of thy union with her. So I related to her what had happened, and she answered, Oh, my son, this one is the daughter of the Kazi of Baghdad, who keepeth her in the closest seclusion, and the window where thou sawest her is her floor, whilst her father occupies the large saloon in the lower story. She is often there alone, and I am wont to visit at the house, so thou shalt not win to her save through me. Now set thy wits to work, and be of good cheer. With these words she went away, and I took heart at what she said, and my people rejoiced that day, seeing me rise in the morning safe and sound. By and by the old woman returned, looking chop-fallen, and said, Oh, my son, do not ask me how I fared with her. When I told her that, she cried to me, If thou hold not thy peace, O Hagafield omen, and leave not such talk, I will entreat thee as thou deservest, and do thee die by the foulest of deaths. But needs must I have at her a second time. When I heard this, I added ailment to my ailment, and the neighbors visited me, and judged that I was not long for this world. But after some days, the old woman came to me, and putting her mouth close to my ear, whispered, O oh, my son, I claim from thee the gift of good news. With this my soul returned to me, and I said, Whatever thou wilt shall be thine. Thereupon she began, Yesterday I went to the young lady, who, seeing me broken in spirit and shedding tears from reddened eyes, asked me, O oh, naunty mine, what ails thee that I see thy breast so straightened? And I answered her, weeping bitterly, O oh, my lady, I am just come from the house of a youth who loves thee, and is about to die for sake of thee. Quoth she, and her heart was softened, And who is this youth of whom thou speakest? And quoth I, He is to me as the sun and fruit of my vitals. He saw thee some days ago at the window watering thy flowers, and spying thy face and wrists, he fell in love at first sight. I let him know what happened to me the last time I was with thee. Whereupon his ailment increased, he took to the pillow, and he is not now but a dead man, and no doubt whatever of it. At this she turned pale and asked, All this for my sake? And I answered, Aye, by Allah. What wouldst thou have me do? said she. Go back to him and greet him for me, and tell him that I am twice more heartsick than he, and on Friday, before the hour of public prayer, bid him here to the house, and I will come down and open the door for him. Then I will carry him up to my chamber and foregather with him for a while, and let him depart before my father return from the mosque. When I heard the old woman's words, all my sickness suddenly fell from me, and my anguish ceased, my heart was comforted, I took off what clothes were on me and gave them to her, and as she turned to go she said, Keep a good heart. I have not a jot of sorrow left, I replied. My household and inmates rejoiced in my recovery, and I abode thus till Friday, when, behold, the old woman came in and asked me how I did, to which I answered that I was well and in good case. Then I donned my clothes and perfumed myself, and sat down to await the congregation going into prayers, that I might betake myself to her. But the old woman said to me, Thou hast time and to spare, so thou wouldst do well to go to the hammam and have thy hair shaven off, especially after thy ailment, so as not to show traces of sickness. This were the best way, answered I. I have just now bathed in hot water, but I will have my head shaved. Then I said to my page, Go to the bazaar and bring me a barber, a discreet fellow, and one not inclined to meddling or impertinent curiosity or likely to split my head with his excessive talk. The boy went at once and brought back with him this wretched old man, this shaykh of ill omen. When he came in, he saluted me, and I returned his salutation. Then quoth he, Of a truth I see thee thin of body. Then quoth I, I have been ailing. He continued, All I drive away from thee thy woe and thy sorrow and thy trouble and thy distress. 
"'All grant thy prayer,' said I. He pursued, "'All gladness to thee, O my master, for indeed recovery is come to thee. Dost thou wish to be pulled or to be blooded?' Indeed, it was a tradition of Ibn Abbas, all except of him, that the apostle said, "'Whoso cutteth his hair on a Friday, the Lord shall avert from him three score and ten calamities.' And again is related of him also that he said, "'Cupping on a Friday keepeth from loss of sight and a host of diseases.' "'Leave this talk,' I cried. "'Come, shave my head at once, for I can't stand it.' So he rose, and put forth his hand in a most leisurely way, and took out a kerchief, and unfolded it, and, lo, it contained an astrolabe with seven parallel plates mounted in silver. Then he went to the middle of the court, and raised head and instrument toward the sun's rays, and looked for a long while. When this was over, he came back and said to me, "'Know that there have elapsed of this day which be Friday, and this Friday be the tenth of the month Safar.' in the six hundred and fifty-third year since the Hegira, or flight of the apostle, on whom be the bestest of blessings and peace, and the seven thousand three hundred and twentieth year of the era of Alexander, eight degrees and six minutes. Furthermore, the ascendant of this our day is, according to the exactest science of computation, the planet Mars, and it so happeneth that Mercury is in conjunction with him, denoting an auspicious moment for hair-cutting, and this also maketh manifest to me that thou desires union with a certain person, and that your intercourse will not be propitious. But after this there occurreth a sign respecting a matter which will befall thee, and whereof I will not speak. O oh, thou, cried I, by Allah thou weariest me, and scatterest my wits, and thy forecast is other than good. I sent for thee to pull my head, and naught else, so up and shave me, and prolong not thy speech. By Allah, replied he, if thou but knew what was to befall thee, thou wouldst do nothing this day, and I counsel thee to act as I tell thee by computation of the constellations. By Allah, said I, never did I see a barber who excelled in judicial astrology save thyself. But I think, and I know, that thou art most prodigal of frivolous talk. I sent for thee only to shave my head, but thou comest and pesterest me with this sorry prattle. What more wouldst thou have? replied he. Allah hath bounteously bestowed on thee a barber who is an astrologer, one learned in alchemy and white magic, syntax, grammar, and lexicology, the arts of logic, rhetoric, and elocution, mathematics, arithmetic, and algebra, astronomy, astromancy, and geometry, theology, the traditions of the apostles, and the commentaries of the Koran. Furthermore, I have read books galore and digested them, and have had experiences of affairs and comprehended them. In short, I have learned the theoric and the practic of all the arts and sciences. I know everything of them by rote, and I am a past master in tota de recibli. Thy father loved me for my lack of officiousness, Argal. To serve thee is a religious duty incumbent on me. I am no busy body as thou seemest to suppose, and on this account I am known as the silent man, also the modest man. Wherefore it behooves thee to render thanks to Allah Almighty and not cross me, for I am a true counsellor to thee and benevolently minded towards thee. Would that I were in thy service a whole year that thou mightst do me justice, and I would ask thee no wage for all this. When I heard his flow of words, I said to him, Doubtless thou wilt be my death this day. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the thirtieth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the young man said to the barber, Thou certainly wilt be the death of me this very night. O master mine, replied he, I am he, the silent man, by reason of the fewness of my words to distinguish me from my six brothers. For the eldest is called Al-Bakbuk, the prattler, the second Al-Hadar, the babbler, the third Al-Fakik, the gabbler, the fourth, his name is Al-Kaz Al-Aswani, 
the long-necked guglet, for, from his eternal chattering, the fifth is Al-Nashar, the tattler and tale-teller, the sixth, Shakashik, or many clamors, and the seventh is famous as Al-Samit, the silent man, and this is my noble self. Whilst he redoubled his talk, I thought my gallbladder would have burst, so I said to the servant, Give him a quarter dinar and dismiss him, and let him go for me in the name of God who made him. I won't have my head shaved to-day. What words be these, O my lord, cried he. By Allah, I will accept no hire of thee till I have served thee and have ministered to thy wants, and I care not if I never take money of thee. Thou know not my quality, I know thine, and I owe thy father an honest man, on whom Allah Almighty have mercy, many a kindness, for he was a liberal soul and a generous. By Allah, he sent for me one day, as it were this blessed day, and I went in to him and found a party of his intimates about him. Quoth he to me, Let me blood. So I pulled out my astrolabe, and taking the sun's altitude for him, I ascertained that the ascendant was inauspicious in the hour unfavorable for brooding. I told him of this, and he did according to my bidding, and awaited a better opportunity. So I made these lines in honor of him. I went to my patron some blood to let him, but found that the moment was far from good. So I sat and talked of all strangenesses, and with jests and jokes his good will I wooed. They pleased him, and cried he, O man of wit, thou hast proved thee perfect in merry mood. Quoth I, O thou lord of men, save thou, lend me art and wisdom, I am foo and wood. In thee gather grace, boon, bounty, salvity, and I, Gerdon, the world with lore, science, and gravity. Thy father was delighted and cried out to the servant, Give him an hundred and three gold pieces with a robe of honor. The man obeyed his orders, and I awaited an auspicious moment when I blooded him, and he did not balk me. Nay, he thanked me, and I was also thanked and praised by all present. When the bloodletting was over, I had no power to keep silence, and asked him, By Allah, O oh my lord, what made thee say to the servant, Give him a hundred and three dinars? And he answered, One dinar was for the astrological observation, another for thy pleasant conversation, the third for the phlebotomization, and the remaining hundred and the dress were for thy verses in my commendation. May Allah show small mercy to my father, exclaimed I, for knowing the like of thee. He laughed and ejaculated, There is no God but God, and Mohammed is the apostle of God. Glory to him that changeth, and is changed not. I took thee for a man of sense, but I see thou babblest and dotest for illness. Allah hath said in the blessed book, Paradise is prepared for the godly, who bridle their anger and forgive men, and so forth, and in any case thou art excused. Yet I cannot conceive the cause of thy hurry and flurry, and thou must know that thy father and thy grandfather did nothing without consulting me, and indeed it hath been said truly enough, let the adviser be prized, and there is no vice in advice. And it is also said in certain saws, Whoso hath no counsellor elder than he, will never himself an elder be. And the poet says, Whatever needful thing thou undertake, consult the experienced, and contraire him not. And indeed, thou shalt never find a man better versed in affairs than I, and I am here standing on my feet to serve thee. I am not vexed with thee, why shouldst thou be vexed with me? But whatever happen, I will bear patiently with thee in memory of the much kindness thy father shewed me. By Allah, cried I, O thou with tongue long as the tail of a jackass, thou persistest in pestering me with thy prate, and thou becomest more longsome in thy long speeches, when all I want of thee is to shave my head and wind thy way. Then he lathered my head, saying, I perceive thou art vexed with me, but I will not take it ill of thee, for thy wit is weak, and thou art but a laddie. It was only yesterday I used to take thee on my shoulder and carry thee to school. 
Oh, my brother, said I, for Allah's sake, do what I want and go thy gate. And I rent my garments. When he saw me do this, he took the razor and fell to sharpening it and gave not over stropping it until my senses were well nigh leaving me. Then he came up to me and shaved part of my head. Then he held his hand. And then he said, O oh, my Lord, haste is Satan's gate, whilst patience is of all of the compassionate. But thou, O oh, my master, I can thou knowest not my rank, for verily this hand alighted upon the heads of kings and emirs and wazirs, and sages and doctors learned in the law, and the poet said of one like me, All crafts are like necklaces strung on a string, but this barber's the union pair of the band. High over all craftsmen he ranketh, and why? The heads of the kings are under his hand. Then said I, Do leave off talking about what concerneth thee not. Indeed, thou hast strained my breast and distracted my mind. Quoth he, Meseemeth thou art a hasty man, and quoth I, Yes, yes, yes! And he, I read thee patience restraint of self. For haste is Satan's pelf, which bequeatheth only repentance and ban and bane, and he, upon whom all blessings and peace, hath said, The best of works is that wherein deliberation lurks. But I, by Allah, have some doubt about thine affair, and so I should like thee to let me know what it is thou art in such haste to do, for I fear me it is other than good. Then he continued, It wanteth three hours yet to prayer time, but I do not wish to be in doubt upon this matter. Nay, I must know the moment exactly, for truly, a guest shot in times of doubt oft brings harm about, especially on the like of me, a superior person whose merits are famous amongst mankind at large, and it doth not befit me to talk at random, as do the common sort of astrologers. So saying, he threw down the razor, and taking up the astrolabe, went forth under the sun, and stood there a long time, after which he returned, and counting on his fingers, said to me, There remains still to prayer time, three full hours incomplete, neither more nor yet less, according to the most learned astronomicals and the wisest makers of almanacs. Allah upon thee, cried I, hold thy tongue with me, for thou breakest my liver in pieces. So he took the razor, and after sharpening it as before, and shaving other two hairs of my head, he again held his hand and said, I am concerned about thy hastiness, and indeed thou wouldst do well to let me know the cause of it. T'were the better for thee, as thou knowest that neither thy father nor thy grandfather ever did a single thing save by my advice. When I saw that there was no escape from him, I said to myself, the time for prayer draws near, and I wish to go to her before the folk come out of the mosque. If I am delayed much longer, I know not how to come to her. Then said I aloud, Be quick, and stint this talk and impertinence, for I have to go to a party at the house of some of thy, my intimates. When he heard me speak of the party, he said, This thy day is a blessed day for me. In very sooth it was but yesterday I invited a company of my friends, and I have forgotten to provide anything for them to eat. This very moment I was thinking of it. Alas, how I shall be disgraced in their eyes. Be not distressed about this matter, answered I. Have I not told thee that I am bidden to an entertainment this day? So everything in my house, eatable and drinkable, shall be thine, if thou wilt only get through thy work and make haste to shave my head. He replied, Allah requite thee with good. Specify to me what is in thy house for my guests that I may beware of it. Quoth I, Five dishes of meat and ten chickens with reddened breasts and a roasted lamb. Set them before me, quoth he, that I may see them. So I told my people to buy, borrow, or steal them, and bring them in anywise, and had all this set before him. When he saw it, he cried, The wine is wanting. And I replied, I have a flagon or two of good old grape juice in the house. And he said, Have it brought out. So I sent for it, and he exclaimed, 
Allah bless thee for thy generous disposition. But there are still the essences and perfumes. So I bade them set before him a box containing nod, the best of compound perfumes, together with fine lin aloes, ambergris and musk unmixed, the whole worth fifty dinar. Now the time waxed straight, and my heart straightened with it. So I said to him, Take it all, and finish shaving my head by the life of Mohammed, whom Allah bless and keep. By Allah, said he, I will not take it till I see all that is in it. So he bade the page open the box, and the barber laid down the astrolabe, leaving the greater part of my head unpulled, and sitting on the ground, turned over the scents and incense and aloe woods and essences until I was not well nigh distraught. Then he took the razor, and coming up to me, shaved off some few hairs, and repeated these lines. The boy like his father shall surely grow, as the tree from its parent root shall grow. Then said he, By Allah, O my son, I know not whether to thank thee or thy father, for my entertainment this day is all due to thy bounty and beneficence, and although none of my company be worthy of it, yet I have a set of honorable men, to wit, Zentu to the bathkeeper, and Salai the corn chandler, and Salat the bean seller, and Akrashaw the greengrocer, and Humaid the scavenger, and Said the camel man, and Suwaid the porter, and Abu Makarish the bathman, and Kasim the watchman, and Karim the groom. There is not among the whole of them a boor or a bully in his cups, nor meddler nor miser of his money, and each and every hath some dance which he danceth, and some of his own couplets which he caroleth, and the best of them is that, like thy servant, thy slave here, they know not what much talking is, nor what forwardness means. The bathkeeper sings to the tom-tom a song which enchants, and he stands up and dances and chants, I am going, O mammy, to fill up my pot. As for the corn-chandler, he brings more skill to it than any. He dances and sings, O keener, O sweetheart, thou fallest not short, and leaves no one's vital sound for laughing at him. But the scavenger sings so that the birds stop to listen to him and dances and sings news my wife watts is not locked in a box and he hath privilege for tis a shrewd rogue and a witty and speaking of his excellence i am wont to say my life for the scavenger right well i love him like a waving bough he is sweet to my sight fate joined us one night when to him quoth i the while i grew weak and love gained more might Thy love burns my heart, and no wonder, quoth he, when the drawer of dung turns a stoker white. And indeed, each is perfect, and whatsoever can charm the wit with joy and jollity, adding presently, but hearing is not seeing, and indeed, if thou makest up my, thy mind to join us, and put off going to thy frids, it will be better for us and for thee. The traces of illness are yet upon thee, and haply thou art going among folk who be mighty talkers, men who commune together of what concerneth them not, or there may be amongst them some forward fellow who will split thy head, and thou half thy size from sickness. This shall be for some other day, answered I, and laughed with heart angered. Finish thy work and go, in all is almighty guard to my thy friends, for they will be expecting thy coming. O oh, my lord, replied he, I seek only to introduce thee to these fellows of infinite mirth, sons of men of worth, amongst whom there is neither procacity nor disacity nor loquacity, for neither, since I grew to years of discretion, could I endure to consort with one who asketh questions concerning what concerneth him not, nor have I ever frequented any save those who are, like myself, men of few words. In sooth, if they were, thou wert to company with them, or even to see them once, thou wouldst forsake all thy intimates. Allah fulfill thy joyance with them, said I, needs must I come amongst them some day or other. 
but he said, Would it were this very day, for I had set my heart upon thy making one of us. Yet if thou must go to thy friends to-day, I will take these good things, wherewith thou hast honoured and favoured me, to my guests, and leave them to eat and drink, and not wait for thee, whilst I will return to thee in haste, and accompany thee to thy little party, for there is no ceremony between me and my intimates to prevent me leaving them. Fear not, I will soon be back with thee, and wind with thee whithersoever thou wendest. There is no majesty, and there is no might, save in all of the glorious the great. I shouted, Go thou to thy friends, and make merry with them, and do let me go to mine, and be with them this day, for they expect me. But the barber cried, I will not let thee go alone. And I replied, The truth is none can enter where I am going, save myself. He rejoined, I suspect that to-day thou art for an assignation with some woman, else thou hadst taken me with thee. Yet I am the right man to take, one who could aid thee to the end thou wishest. But I fear me thou art running after strange women, and thou wilt lose thy life. For in this our city of Baghdad one cannot do anything in this line, especially on a day like Friday. Our governor is an angry man and of a mighty sharp blade. Shame on thee, thou wicked, bad old man, cried I. Be off, what words are these thou givest me? O cold of wit, cried he, thou sayest to me what is not true, and thou hidest thy mind from me. But I know the whole business for certain, and I seek only to help thee this day with my best endeavour. I was fearful lest my people or my neighbours should hear the barber's talk, so I kept silence for a long time whilst he finished shaving my head, by which time the hour of prayer was come, and the kataba or sermon, was about to follow. When he had done, I said to him, Go to thy friends with their meat and drink, and I will await thy return. Then we will fare together. In this way I hoped to pour oil on troubled waters and to trick the accursed loon, so haply I might get rid of him. But he said, Thou art cozening me, and thou wilt go alone to thy appointment and cast thyself into jeopardy, whence there will be no escape for thee. Now, by Allah, and again by Allah, do not go until I return, that I may accompany thee and watch the issue of thine affair. So be it, I replied, do not be long absent. Then he took all the meat and drink I had given him, and the rest of it, and went out of my house. But the accursed Carl gave it in charge of a porter to carry to his home, but hid himself in one of the alleys. As for me, I rose on the instant, for the muezzins had already called the salam of Friday the salute to the apostle, and I dressed in haste, and went out alone, and hurrying to the street, took my stand by the house wherein I had seen the young lady. I found the old woman on guard at the house awaiting me, and went up with her to the upper story, the damsel's apartment. Hardly had I reached it, when, behold, the master of the house returned from prayers, and entering the grand saloon, closed the door. I looked down from the window, and saw this barber, all his curse upon him, sitting over against the door, and said, How did this devil find me out? This very moment, as Allah had decreed it for rending my veil of secrecy, so happened that a handmaid of the housemaster committed some offence for which he beat her. She shrieked out, and his slave ran in to intercede for her, whereupon the Kazi beat him to boot, and he also roared out. The damned barber fancied that it was I who was being beaten, so he also fell to shouting and tore his garments and scattered dust on his head and kept on shrieking and crying, Help! Help! So the people came round about him and he went on yelling, My master is being murdered in the Kazi's house! Then he went clamoring to my place with the folk after him and told my people and servants and slaves, and before I knew what was doing, up they came tearing their clothes and letting loose their hair and shouting, Alas, our master! and this barber leading the rout with his clothes rent and in sorriest plight, and he also shouting like a madman and saying, Alas, for our murdered master! 
and they all made an assault upon the house in which I was. The Kazi, hearing the yells and the uproar at his door, said to one of his servants, See what is the matter? And the man went forth and returned and said, O oh, my master, at the gate there are more than ten thousand souls with what men and women and all crying out, Alas, for our murdered master! And they keep pointing to our house. When the Kazi heard this, the matter seemed serious, and he waxed wroth. So he rose, and opening the door, saw a great crowd of people, whereat he was astounded, and said, O oh, folk, what is there to do? O oh, accursed! O oh, dog! O oh, hog! my servants replied. Tis thou who hast killed our master. Quoth he, O oh, good folk, and what hath your master done to me that I should kill him? And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the thirty-first night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the Kazi said to the servants, What hath your master done to me that I should kill him? This is my house, and it is open to you all. Then quoth the barber, Thou didst beat him, and I heard him cry out. And quoth the Kazi, But what was he doing that I should beat him, and what brought him into my house, and whence came he, and whither went he? Be not a wicked, perverse old man, cried the barber, for I know the whole story, and the long and short of it is that thy daughter is in love with him, and he loves her, and when thou knewest that he entered the house, thou badest thy servants beat him, and they did so. By Allah, none shall judge between us and thee but the caliph, else do thou bring out our master, that his folk may take him, before they go in, and save him perforce from thy house, and thou be put to shame. Then said the Kazi, and his tongue was bridled, and his mouth was stooped by confusion before the people. And thou sayest, Sooth, do thou come in and fetch him out. Whereupon the barber pushed forward and entered the house. When I saw this, I looked about for a means of escape and flight, but saw no hiding place except a great chest in the upper chamber where I was. So I got in and pulled the lid down upon myself and held my breath. The barber was hardly in the room before he began to look about for me, then turned him right and left and came straight to the place where I was, and stepped up to the chest and, lifting it on his head, made off as fast as he could. At this my reason forsook me, for I knew that he would not let me be. So I took courage, and opening the chest, threw myself to the ground. My leg was broken in the fall, and the door being open, I saw a great concourse of people looking in. Now I carried in my sleeve much gold and some silver, which I had provided for an ill day like this, and in the like of such occasion. So I kept scattering it amongst the folk to divert their attention from me, and whilst they were busy scrambling for it, I set off, hopping as fast as I could, through the by-streets of Baghdad, sifting and turning right and left. But whithersoever I went, the stamped barber would go in after me, crying aloud, They would have bereft me of my master! They would have slain him who was a benefactor to me and my family and my friends! Praised be Allah, who made me prevail against them, and delivered my lord from their hands! Then to me, Where wilt thou go now? Thou wouldst persist in following thine own evil devices, till thou broughtest thyself to this evil pass, and had not Allah vouchsafed me to thee, ne'er hadst thou escaped the strait into which thou hast fallen, for they would have cast thee into a calamity whence thou never couldst have won free. But I will not call thee to account for thine ignorance, as thou art so little of wit, and inconsequential, and addicted to hastiness. Said I to him, Doth not what thou hast brought upon me suffice thee, but thou must run after me, and talk me such talk in the bazaar streets? And I will and I gave up the ghost for excess of rage against him, then I took refuge in the shop of a weaver amiddlemost of the market, and sought protection of the owner who drove the barber away. And sitting in the back room, I said to myself, 
If I return home, I shall never be able to get rid of this curse of a barber, who will be with me night and day, and I cannot endure the sight of him, even for a breathing space. So I sent out at once for witnesses and made a will, dividing the greater part of my property among my people, and appointed a guardian over them, to whom I committed the charge of great and small, directing him to sell my houses and domains. Then I set out on my travels that I might be free of this pimp, and I came to settle in your town where I have lived some time. When you invited me and I came hither, the first thing I saw was this accursed pander seated in the place of honor. How, then, can my heart be glad and my stay be pleasant in company with this fellow who brought all this upon me, and who was the cause of the breaking of my leg and of my exile from home and native land? And the youth refused to sit down and went away. When we heard his story, continued the tailor, we were amazed beyond measure and amused and said to the barber, By Allah, is it true what this young man saith of thee? By Allah, replied he, I dealt thus by him of my courtesy and sound sense and generosity. Had it not been for me, he had perished, and none but I was the cause for his escape. Well, it was for him that he suffered in his leg and not in his life. Had I been a man of many words, a meddler, and a busybody, I had not acted thus kindly by him. But now I will tell you a tale which befell me, that you may be well assured I am a man sparing of speech in whom is no forwardness, and a very different person from those six brothers of mine, and this it is. And so began the barber's tale of himself.